Hi, this is Paul Tewall. I'm a global engagement explorer. If you are watching to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dana Giannotsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories and inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and, and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Paul Tewal. Uh, Paul is the internationally sought-after employability expert and workplace architect. For more than 25 years, he has been in the speaking, consulting, and training business for executives, HR directors, and employees. Uh, Paul is a former lawyer at a social benefits organization, as well as the assistant director of a public health insurance company uh, that started his consulting career at Capgemini in the field of social security and labor law. Today, Paul is a professional speaker, advisor, vision, and work health specialist. He's recognized as a certified speaking professional, known as a CSP, by Professional Speakers Australia, as well as a fellow by Professional Speaking Association in the UK and Ireland. So, Massa, welcome to you, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dennis. Good to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, we're about to you in the world today. Uh, I'm I'm living in Swalle in the Netherlands. Oh. We had a lot of snow last week, but now we went up 25 degrees, so we're now up to 10. <laughs> so, normally we have a lot of rain, and now we have a lot of water. On the other side, I'm happy that I'm working again after a lot of months of quiet business. Yes, yes, I understand. And um, for a lot of people around the world, it's been a very quiet time for a lot of businesses. And my family in Europe as well have been sending me photos of the amazing amounts of snow and so forth. And now, as you said, very warm weather. So it's just crazy how things are going. So, Paul, I've given a very brief sort of uh, introduction to you, uh, to the listeners on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about uh, share with us about your background? Well, maybe it's nice to explain uh, how I changed from being a lawyer into somebody who explores engagement and happiness at the workplace. Because a lot of people find it quite strange that a lawyer gets into engagement and happiness. But the point is, when you work in labor law and social security, you're always, as we call it, at the back end. When something goes wrong, then I would step in. If somebody got fired, it was my role to do something. If someone gets ill, I need to work on them. 
And then I found out, first of all, it's tiring because, like you said in the introduction, we're running around and, and we, ha we haven't got any clue what we're doing with our lives until you think, hmm, maybe I can do it in a better way. And mm -hmm. I looked at all those thousands of files that I went through and I, I saw that we were always too late with a reaction. So I wanted to be upfront and talk with people and explore what happiness and engagement can do to you as a leader, as a team, as a company, as a normal human being. Because we act that we are in a role, but we're all just bloody human beings. Yep. So I'd rather being an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, I'd rather be at the top of the cliff and actually helping people and getting engagement and people being happy in what we're doing yeah. for sure. Hey, Paul, how did you get into leadership? Well, I think like 90% of the people, you step into a position and then you are asked, hey, would you like to become the next leader? And you, you are manager and you know how it goes and and then suddenly you find out that you get to that position that you think is this still fun for <laughs> me and fun is one of my core values and i say fun is my fundament if i'm doing something i don't like i will stop because it costs so much energy that I'm, I'm losing myself. So being a manager for many years, then creating my own consultancy firm with 25 people, I would come home at the end of the day and, and tell my wife, I've been so busy, but I've done nothing. And then I thought, this is going to be the end. So I stopped. I'm a solopreneur. I work with a team of Highly educated people, but we're all on our own. Yeah, so I think that for listeners here, I think that's really important what Paul's saying is the fact that if you're not happy doing something or you feel like you're doing something, it's just whereby you're treading water, but you're not actually going very far or making any progress, take time out to stop, think about things. Is this really in question? Is this really the right thing that I'm doing? And do I really need to go off and to do something else as well? So I think that's, that's, that's brilliant. Just that's bang on straight away. Paul's already shared some great insights already. <laughs> yeah, but hey, th th this is the point. And look, I'm 62 years old, but I know people of 28 years old who have that same feeling. And mm. I think that the youngest generation, the, the, Generation Z and the alphas that are coming onto the labor market will have this as their first and clear focus. We need to be human beings first and then enjoy our job. So for us, boomers, Xers, Yers, we need to be careful that we don't overrun ourselves. And, and look at this moment in the Netherlands. Out of 17 million people, almost 6 million are close to burned out. Isn't that silly? That's huge. That's huge. And that's partly because of Corona. We had already 15% of the workplace. They don't really have a burnout, but they're on their way into it. And do, do they actually understand it? Do they actually know that they're on that journey towards the burnout? No. No, and, and, but, but you know how it goes. You're engaged, you're working hard, and then you become a workaholic without knowing. 
because you can't say no anymore. So what we see is the soon as I get in a company, I start talking to leaders and managers, and I make a difference between leaders and managers. That, but that's obvious. And then I see someone, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Paul, no problem. Oh, yeah, I, ca I can do that for you. Oh, and I said, stop. Say no. Please say no to me. Because if I can train you to say no to me, you can say no to others. Those workaholics keep on going. Then they get back from their work, 10 hours work. They have a family. They need to squash, to tennis, to play soccer, to do whatever, and have their friends and the family. And it goes on the whole bloody week and the whole weekend. And then you get tired. Even talking like this makes me tired. But hey, look around us. What was happening? I was in Auckland. I saw the same as I see in Amsterdam. It is the same. And we were talking to Dutch people over there who were working in Auckland, and they said exactly the same. We left the Netherlands because it's so busy. Now we live in Auckland. It looks like the Netherlands. And then I told them, well, we have old Zealand and you have New Zealand. Zealand. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. People are people everywhere in the world. So that your podcast is so successful means that everybody in the world is in the same treadmill. Yep, and we step out. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And you know what? I'm finding that uh, as I talk to leaders and I'm doing uh, events around the place and that, there's one thing that I'm definitely talking to them, and that is, especially with the lockdown, it's been emphasized even more, the transition between the bedroom and the or they're in the bedroom store because their office is in the bedroom or into the into another office in the house or in the kitchen lounge. They're finding it very hard and they don't know when to stop and they just keep working, as you said, about the workaholic. But, you know, they don't realize it. And they get to 2 o'clock and they realize they haven't even had lunch yet or uh, at 12. Or they get to, oh, you know what, I'll do one more email, one more meeting. And next minute they look up and it's 7 p.m. They still haven't had lunch. Yep. And as you said, Paul, they're a day in and day out like this. And it's uh, it's always what I call they're always on. They're always out there doing things, which yep. is really just really interesting to see. So, yeah, yep. they need yep. to be careful. Hey, now this person could be alive or from history. So who is your favorite leader and why? Well, first I wanted to call you, give you a Dutch name, but nobody is interested in our history for me today, it's Tony Shea, the CEO, but he passed away from Zappos and delivering happiness. He founded Zappos with 10 people. It became 1800, part of Amazon. Then he started delivering happiness, a company that is connected to my heart because they look how you can help people to become happy employees. And it sounds like, ooh, happiness. But we know by research that, ooh, happiness can give a lot of productivity, less sick leave, less mistakes, all that kind of stuff that's positive for profitability. So what you want as a leader is a lot of engaged people who can have a leadership, a, a, a happiness. And that's why I love Tony Shea so much. And now Jem Lim, who is his partner, they are amazing people who started the company 100% based on the family core values. And that, that's my topic, value to profit. Mm. Every leader 
needs to know what his own personal core values are, and I call them non-negotiables. And then you need to find a job where you can align with the company core values because then it's fun to work there. So what what they did, they created 10 family core values. And if you wanted to work there, you had to fulfill and fit in those 10 values. If not, they gave you money to leave because they say it's cheaper to give you money and you leave then you stay and become a misery. Yeah. And I don't think that many companies in the world have leaders like that that don't look at do you have the right skills and do you work 20 hours a day, but hey, do you fit in our core values? Is our purpose connecting to your personal purpose in life? And that's that's for me amazing. Excellent. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know, values to profit, I like that that title as well. Hey, Paul, the, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I when we mentioned that, uh, that title of the show, well, what does that mean for you? Well, for me, it's an of course, because life is changing. Mm. And, but leadership is changing from the old classic Taylor Anglo-Saxon approach to a much more approach where we look at professionals and the leaders are the facilitators. They take care that professionals can do the job. Look look in hospitals now with, with COVID. You can have a manager who is telling all the nurses what to do. But, hey, we have on the ICU one nurse on three or four people in Europe. That means that there is no time for a manager to say anything. So what we do now suddenly is trust that they are the true professionals. And that if we facilitate them in time management, hey, you've been there 20 minutes, come out, 10 minutes rest. Okay, you can do another one. So we start facilitating the professionals in doing their job. That, for me, is leadership. Yep. Facilitating the professionals. Even if it's a house cleaner, they know what to do. They are the professionals. Otherwise, I would do it myself. But hey, they are the professional. So I facilitate, create the surroundings that they can have their own autonomy, their own responsibility and do their job. That for me is the new leadership. Instead of the old hierarchy pyramid where the top says what to do to the next level. And then you get the things that when you look up, you see only assholes and and the, the one at the top said, oh, I see only shitheads. But hey, that's that's the old version of leadership. Yeah, you can picture it yourself. Yes. That that that's done. But still, I think 60% of the companies are run that way. I yep. come into companies and I see it, and then I say, Hey, happiness makes money. And they said, Yeah, if they do what I tell them. Nice. No, it's the other way around. Nice. So going from hierarchy leadership to facilitated leadership. Yeah, in, in, in Europe, we call it the Rhineland model. That's the Rhine is a big river coming from Switzerland, Germany to the Netherlands. And it's a broad river. Yep. And we say, give them space. Let them, let them flow. Create a situation that people can flow 
that they have space that they can do. But hey, still take care of the bridges and all the stuff. Rhineland model, professionals on the horizontal X and virtual, all the facilitators, the financial guy, human being management instead of human resource management. Uh, it's about human beings. And then give them, give them the field. Oh, I love that analogy of the Rhine River. And, and for listeners, if you haven't been there or haven't seen it, it's amazing. Even if you can Google it or check on YouTube to see the Rhine River, Paul is right. It is very wide. And it's and I love the analogy that you're talking about giving them that space to be who they are and what they need to do. At the end of the day, it's still a river. At the end of the day, you're still a leader, right? So um, Exactly. Uh, I, I sometimes think that the more traditional managers are afraid of losing their power, their mm. control. And for me, it's important that you need to trust people. And trust only comes when you have transparency and truth. If you combine transparency and truth, you will get trust. So what we see, even in Corona times, people are working from home. I, as a leader, have no idea what they are doing. Dark companies say, hey, you need to check in on Teams or whatever at 8 p.m. of 8 a.m. They close it 15 minutes later. If I tell you, hey, I trust that you're doing your job. If you have any questions, please let me know. I will support you. I will be there. If you need to take 30 minutes off, go ahead. Then I give you trust. And with trust comes responsibility on the other side. So I think because you say, hey, Paul, you can go for a walk for 30 minutes, whatever. Then I think, yeah, but he gave me that trust. Now I have to be honest to him as well. Mm. So I'm giving it back. You support me. I will surface you. And I think that's that's the thing we should do. And I think females are far more better in it than males. Uh, so we need to shift a little bit in our minds that we go that far that we give people trust up front. Yep, brilliant. And, and that's for a lawyer who is used to punishment. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Um that must have been an amazing transformation for you or transition, I should say, going from a lawyer to doing what you're doing right now. I mean, how was that tra transition? Oh, it first, it's, it's, it's confusing because you feel unhappy with the role you're playing. And I felt I was playing that role. And I had fun when I went to court and could do my speaker type of stuff, standing in front of the judges and playing. And I thought, that's fun. But when you are in a normal company, you couldn't do it. So I became independent. And then people ask you and say, hey, do you have time to be on stage? So I just started. And then I was in that transformation, transition to looking at engagement instead of control and looking how we could help people. So it was fun. And I must say that the, the, the final help came from my two coaches from South Africa and New Zealand, Mike and Landy, who really helped me to, to make it 
more polished mm. because I knew it, but you need someone who helps you to polish it, to make your message more clear. And I think I'm there at the age of 62, so you're never too old to, to do that transition. But hey, um, the, yeah, well, the, the point is a lot of people at 50 are seriously brain deaf. They, they are walking in lines like a machine and they are doing their stuff the whole day, what they did before. And if you step out of, and we say out of your comfort zone, and that's a little bit blur word, but it's true. If you take a next step sideways in, instead of front, you will see that there is some difference and that you can have a different look. I used walking the Camino in Spain to, to make that more clear for myself. Wow. To make clear what is what is your purpose in life and mm. what are your core values and what are you going to do with the next 20 years? Yep, yep. We focus on retirement, but then life begins again in another form. Yes. So you need to focus when you're 50 on what am I doing when I'm 70 or 75? Instead of saying, oh, I need another 15 years. Yep. I have to. Yep. The day I remember in Auckland, New Zealand, I know you were here, you and I met. The day that I met you, I don't know if you know the story, is the day before I left my global role and I had started my brand new career and it was uncomfortable, 50 years of age. And I'm yep. like, here I am. And I got out of that. The, that role and go off to do my thing but of course of course a lot of it was around the tumor of the voice and and on the vocal cord and all that and coming through that but you're so right paul i mean that was uncomfortable but then it became comfortable and the thing that was really important interesting was i found that then the corporate world was the actually not my comfort zone i was feeling uncomfortable but i just didn't realize it so yeah it's really interesting hey look you you talked earlier on before about the business and industry for you and about it was required and it's great to get some work in that so how's your business or industry changed and what demands has that put on you the the, the point is i i did about 50 percent speaking and as you know i traveled worldwide i was away from home seven out of 28 days so you speak a lot, you travel a lot, I enjoyed it a lot. And then suddenly on March 21st, boom, all yeah. gone. Clients started to call me and say, hey, Paul, Corona, let's wait another four or five weeks. And that became four or five months. And then it was summertime. And we could go out again. And then September, we got in a lockdown again. And boom. All was gone again until the end of the year, beginning of December. I think people started to realize that we couldn't go on that way. Yep. So I, I was doing some stuff and I, I did a lot of e-workshops, and but not enough to live the life I was used to. And now I'm more focused on consultancy because training online is nice. But it hasn't got the same energy flow as, as when you're in a real room with real people. Uh, I, I like it. I do a lot of webinars, but I'm more comfortable being together with people. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I went back to myself and said, hey, how can I use my knowledge of consultancy in the market to help companies who are struggling now? So instead of being a victim, I said, I know they are suffering, so how can I help them? A lot of people got sick because of sick leave, uh, because of corona and went on sick leave. But the problem is as well that a lot of people didn't have corona but were mentally hurt by what was going on in the world. Well, then you need to support them. So I started writing blogs and saying, hey, come on, guys, let's support those people. And not by applauding in the street, but really in their organizations, asking the leaders to support their people by becoming supporters and facilitators instead of managers who were ticking the boxes, done, done, done. And that helped me through uh, the period, and I'm busy. Awesome. And it's fun. Yep, that's right. So, team listeners, if you just adjust, and um, there's that word that's been used so much over the last year about pivoting. So I think the thing is, if we can adapt, tweak, do what we need to do to be able to help people out, that's great. But of course, what Paul's saying here is that what's really important is that we actually help people, not just from a distance, but actually being there, being beside people, helping them, supporting them, and facilitating that for sure. Hey, Paul, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would that be? I would almost say get out of all those financial controlling stuff. Because we set a mark for next year and productivity needs to go up by this and our EBITDA needs to go up by that. And we're focusing completely on financial issues. What I believe that EX comes before CX. So if we don't have enough employee experience, there won't be any customer experience. So you see on the internet a lot of CX specialists, and I love them because some of them are great colleagues of mine. And I see them all change from only customer-focused issues to employee-focused issues. So there are a lot of sayings, you need to help your employees first, they will help you and all that kind of stuff. And the point is, it's true. Mm. And Tony Shea was one of the first 15, 20 years ago who saw it and said, if I get people who are aligned to our core values, they don't work more hours, they work more effective and they are more productive in the hours. It's about, Gallup says, it's about 20% higher. And I thought, hmm, that isn't much. Then a CEO told me, he said, well, Paul, that means that they work six days and I pay them only five. Mm. And I thought, damn. And the fun part is they work only five days. So they have that day extra for themselves. Still, they are much more productive. And if they are happy doing it, who am I? Yep. So I would like to focus more on the employees as leaders. Yeah, and I know that over the years, you know, when you see presentations being done by senior leaders and so forth, they talk about uh, the stakeholders, the shareholders, they talk about the customers, and then they, they always leave people towards the end. 
And I think what you're saying is flip it. Let's flip it around the other way. Let's talk about the employees first. We'll talk about that experience. And then then before customer experience, because you won't have no customer experience because the employees aren't going to be happy and they're not going to be able to do do what they need to do for sure. I, I did I did once. I made a joke. I was in the US for a convention and I called uh, Zappos. You, they still have their phone number on the front page, customer service. A lot of companies have it. That it's gone. You need to to go to a chat box, <laughs> and you know what I mean. And I called someone and I said, "I need that kind of shoe." And they said, "We don't have it." And I knew, yeah, I saw it that it was sold out. And he said, "Oh, I'm here for a couple of days, and then I move back to Europe." And he said, "Oh, I can give you the name of two companies here in the US that can deliver it tomorrow to your hotel." different companies. So whom am I going to give all the credits? That's Seppos, not oh. that company that brought it to me. This is customer experience. But the guy did it because he loved his job. He mm. was supported by his leaders to be a good bar, uh, human being. Yeah, I think I think what, um, you know, he's gone the extra mile to help the customer because he's he's happy or he's doing what he knows what it's really important for him and his job and the company as well. You know, what you've been talking about, Paul, here about it is about the employee engagement and the happiness and so forth. The question I've got here for you is because you're into companies here and you you'll know about what, what they're looking for. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Ooh, it changed dramatically. And I, I think one of the reasons that we have a lot of burnout people is that people's expectations changed and managers didn't. Ah. So we created a gap between what the employees think that they will experience at work and still some managers who just tick the boxes and then I'm losing so much energy that my battery goes down and down and down. And you know what happens when you use your battery completely. You need much more time to recharge it. Mm. And, and that's a burnout. Yeah. You are totally on zero. You're totally in red. And you need to go back to green. And it will take you six months at least. Ah, good. Because I was going to ask you that question. From your experience, how long does it take for people to recover from burnout? And I think you've just said it's six months, possibly. Yeah. What you see, and I'm not a psychologist, but I work a lot with them because they know what they're talking about. What you see if somebody falls down tomorrow with a burnout, and it will be like this, you're gone instantly, then they need at least two or three weeks of total rest. Do nothing. They are in that dark red zone that they only want to sleep mm. and maybe eat and drink, but sleep will be the most. And then you start working with them to exercise a little bit. And my advice to everybody is walk at least 30 minutes in a firm pace per day. I do two hours, but I'm not a normal human being. I will go for a walk after this, and then it's 9 p.m. And I will go because I love walking. I, I can't live a day without walking. I'm that experienced. 
but it gives you the positive hormones. Your brain is producing the right hormones and slowing down the negative ones. So it helps you to fall asleep. Yeah. And sleep is the most important recovery we have. And some people say, oh, no, I was working at 2 a.m. and I got up at 6 and I said, silly boy, silly boy, you're not good for yourself. No, because that's four hours sleep. And if that is four hours sleep, I mean, by the time they get to bed and sleep and their brain's still doing 10 to the dozen. And, uh, and, of course, there will be periods in your life, I had it, you had it, that we weren't feeling well, that we, I sometimes needed a shot of whiskey to fall asleep. <laughs> and that's insane. But hey, it happens. But if it's going for a longer period of time, it will ruin your life yep. and there's, your family. There's that tipping point, right? There's that point yeah. where you just, it's pretty hard to come back from. And so yeah. the other thing too is, you know, you, yeah, I, I think you're so right. You're saying, Paul, about going out walking and doing a fast pace, you know, um, and going out and doing that for 30 minutes, and you're doing two hours. I'm quite surprised you didn't say you're out cycling. You know, being in the Netherlands and that, I thought you'd be out on, on, on your bike cycling and that. But walking. Any kind of exercise. Now, a lot of people go, oh, and they make the excuse, oh, I don't want to go to the gym and I don't want to go this and that. Walking's easy if you can do it. It's a lot more, when I say easy, it's not, not for everybody. But, I mean, the thing is, if you can get out there and do that walk, go do it, it's great, and you'll feel a lot more, a lot better yeah. for it. Yeah. Hey, um, so what makes a leader successful in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? First, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like being in a plane. The instruction is always take care of yourself, then help others. Yep. So if you can't take care of yourself in the way a human being should be treated, you can't be a leader. So that that's something I always see. And then I think, hey, you're a bad example to your people. Because as a facilitator and supporter, you are the example. They look at you. And they see somebody who is not taking care of himself. So take care of yourself and then support and facilitate others. Be focused on human being, not on the process or on the outcome. That's instrumental. And, of course, you will see it. I, I, I know you need to do it. But the focus should be on the human beings that work with you. You support them. And they will be much more happy to look at the process and the outcome with you. Yep, great. Fantastic. And I think you're right. I mean, putting that mask on first, looking after yourself is really, really important. Uh, absolutely. Hey, Paul, here's a question for you. And I want to ask you to get your crystal ball out, think about the future and things like that. Where, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think that we will go into a situation of self-organizing teams. Uh, and that means that the role of uh, the leader will be much more like in holacracy, that you are supporting teams and roles. Mm. So you're, you're supporting in a different way. You're not the boss of 30 people. You are supporting, facilitating, looking around and supporting people who play a role, have a task and, and be specialists. So it will be much more diverse than it is now. But it, I think the role will be much more interesting for a human being to be a leader at that point than it is checking the boxes now. Excellent. 
Wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Paul. Um, and thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? They can go to my website, paultoval.com. That's the easiest one on just use my name on LinkedIn and you will find my English website and all the information, paultoval.com, easiest way. Great. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. It's been a real pleasure having you here. It was uh, an honor to be here. Great. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being published and released and download them. Have a listen, put a review and a rating, share them with your friends, your network, uh, and uh, your family. Hey, feel free to uh, send me any feedback on the show, or if you've got a question for my guest that I'm interviewing, feel free to send me an email, or if you've got a question for the Ask Dennis episode, which is a freestyle episode that happens every week, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 